All right, y'all. What up, 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 what up? This is another day, another episode, another week, another month of Loud in the Theater. I'm your host, Nino the Kid, with the biggest host, Kathleen Atea, doing our thing the way we do our Are you thing. calling me fat? <laughs> no. You know, like the biggest boss. <laughs> 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 anyway, y'all, yes, welcome to another episode. I think it's episode five. Uh, I believe season two, I believe this is five. Yeah, episode five, yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. If it's not, oh well. Um oh. <laughs> <laughs> a reminder, guys, just in case you forgot, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places where your ears enjoy taking in the sounds of podcasts and voices and talking in the smooth melodies of jazz time sounds you can listen to us yes loud in the theater wherever and whenever you choose so go do that and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend tell their mama and their auntie too okay share the word don't keep it to yourself yes you like coming to the theater tell other people to come to the theater and enjoy as well okay and get loud Yes, and get popcorn, still drinks, talk to the school. This is what wow. we do. Sneak your snacks into the theater, rustle yes. up your aluminum foil as you unwrap yes. your chicken, make yes. noise. Ribs right. in the theater is okay. Okay, slippery <laughs> and juicy ribs in the theater. Yes. I don't even eat meat, but bring them in the theater. <laughs> Damn it, I want to see it and I want to hear you eat it. All yes. right, anywho, yes, big noise. Do you big have noise. any? Cool. I, I I actually have a big piece of news. Oh, I do share. I am now the proud father of a high school graduate. I thought that you were going to say another child. I was finna t- shut oh, the no. whole podcast down. Oh no! <laughs> I was about to be like, no more. I'm oh, no. done. <laughs> I'm finished. That that episode of life is over. Okay, over. <laughs> Which one of your many, many children has graduated <laughs> high school? <laughs> Big shout out to my oldest daughter, Chanel, who is mm-hmm. now 18. Congratulations, Chanel. And is doing her thing, getting ready for her next big venture, which is going to be college. And yeah, man, psh, that's that's my big noise, man. I've, uh, that has had me on a high since Valentine's Day. Did you say Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day. Oh, you should. I don't believe you. I feel like you corrected it after I said that. Exactly. Just go on and admit it. Um, well, congratulations to Chanel. Very proud of you. Keep doing big things. High school is not easy. Trust me, I barely made it out myself. And right. not because I wasn't good at it. I just hate school in general. Right. You know she what I mean? She breezed so, through it. I get I get for her I get for her flowers because she breezed through it. She did it on a note where she was just she was quiet. She minded her business. She did her work, came and went. Did her, she's one of those people I could see when she start working, she's gonna be one of those people who come to work, do their eight hours, they're not looking for friends, they're not making relationships. She's just here for her, her eight hours. There's no such thing. I promise she you. She might I, be. I've tried being that person and they will um, punish you if you do not conform to what they want you to be. Trust me, I've experienced it. Maybe, but she breezed through high school. She got a little, uh, 
her, her, her little crew, and that's pretty much what she sticks to. So yeah. high school was a nightmare for me. I hated every second of it. I couldn't wait for it to be over. Like, I, and not even like on some like I was bullied because I wasn't. I was never bullied. I just don't like school, and it was a miserable time for me. I just fucking hated I, I, it. I think I went through the same period when it came to high school because I had to go through high school. Um, at least it's my second half of high school in Brooklyn. So it was definitely a, a, a different environment. So th- at that point, then I was like, every I year I went to five different high schools. Every year of high school, I was in a different school. Mm. It was fucking horrible. And one year, two different schools. I hated fucking high school. It was miserable. There was no yeah, like, set, of, uh... there was no make friends and have your little crew that helps you get through it. No, there was nothing for me. It was like every time I went to school, I was a new kid. It was, f- and nothing is worse in high school than being the new being kid. Being a new kid, right. So, well, she, uh, I could say she has, uh, she had a leg up on that one because she went to the same school all four years. And she had, you know, uh, a few people in administration that got her back as well as, you know, her little homegirl crew that came with her I from junior high school. So, you know, she I ain't make no new friends, but she made sure. That's that fine. She, oh, that's which is dope. She gonna make new friends in college, watch. Right. College is where you make the lifelong friends. Right. Anywho. Let's move on because I don't have no big noise. Fuck this shit. (laughs) (laughs) We got to remember that. (laughs) I don't. So let's move on. (laughs) So quick question. Let's go. What is inspired by the movie we will be talking about today? What is your Afro futuristic utopian dream like what do you imagine when you think of like an afrofuturistic so let's first define the term it was coined by a white author named mark derry and it is a reimagining and i'm reading this from an article reimagining of a future filled with arts science and technology seen through a black lens and it's specifically for a black American term because a lot of authors, specifically African authors have decided to create African futurism, which is similar, but through an African lens. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So Afrofuturism is more of like a black American thing, I guess, or that's the way people are trying to frame it. I may have it completely wrong. I've done research, but not in depth. I may need more information, but Let's go with that definition. Through the Black American lens, you're picturing art, science, technology, a future. You know what I mean? Like, think very, the movie that we're talking about today, which is Black Panther. Think of that vibe through the Black American lens. What is your, like, ideal society utopian? Wow. Think if I rule the world. Imagine that. If you could be mine, we both shine. Free all my son. I love them, love them, baby. It's a jam. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the spirit of that just came in this room. Just right? <laughs> we over here hallelujah and praising uh, the wife beater that is Nas. Uh, <laughs> you know that nigga like to beat women. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Back to the topic. <laughs> right. Right. So. Um, well, give me your utopian... Uh, I don't even know. You know, I don't really be thinking too in depth about these questions before I ask I mean, them because I want my questions to come off, my answers to come off the cuff as well. But if I had uh, to use the influence of the Black Panther, <laughs> Black, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta put them gunshots in there. Black, 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 
for have to use that as an influence, uh, I would definitely see Wakanda as a, a, a great bl blueprint for that. Um, I would also go with, um, uh, I don't know if you ever seen, there was a movie out a while ago called Equilibrium. It sounds um, familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. Uh, it starred um, Christian Bale and uh, Tay Diggs. Oh, definitely no. So, Tay Diggs? Yes. <laughs> no disrespect, but who? <laughs> Is that his name, Tay Diggs? I don't know. <laughs> I don't the know dude I don't from know the movie. The dude from um, St How Stella Got Her Groove Back? Yeah, that's Tay Diggs. Okay, so yeah, him and uh, Christian Bale were in a movie called Equilibrium Together. In this movie, basically, um, society had went under a rule where, um, you know, it's, it's a lot like today. People walk around with masks, gloves on, there's a, a, an infection in the air. Um, but there are huge technological advancements in automobiles and medicines, and, and but all of the one thing that they... they um, they say in the movie is that the only reason that their technological advancements became so uh, great or so advanced, it was, it was only when the world um, councils finally got together and joined all of their resources. Mm. So they had, you know, European tech, they had Asian tech, American tech, everybody's tech was pulled into one room and that's what basically created the world utopia. For them, and I think if if black people were running things like that in in a, in a utopia like that, I think that would be something that we could stretch for, you know, because I think that that'd be an opportunity to bring, you know, uh, uh, the worldwide net would be more than just a, a computer thing. It would be more than part of tech. It'd be act. It'd be an actual thing amongst world leaders. I see what you're saying. So no competition. It's more of collaboration right okay because i feel I, like black people have this we I, I feel like black and brown people have a a a, a, a village it takes a village kind of mentality mm -hmm, mm -hmm. especially our our, our our forefathers our ancestors mm -hmm. we have that we we come from that it takes a village kind of thing and a lot of our leaders still abide by that and i think that'd be something that strengthen it could strengthen us. I, I, I think it would strengthen us, but, you know, I would love to see it. So it sounds to me like your ideal Afrofuturistic society would eliminate capitalism as a whole, because honestly, the only reason we don't live that way is because capitalism breeds competition. Right. Which, you know, who's going to make it bigger and better and get the most money first. And so without that, as a, without as a fighter... Right. But I, also, too, without the competition, without, you know, the, the the need for competition, I think it would slow up advancements as well. I don't agree. I, I completely disagree. I think people, you know, you make better on certain products, but there will be no race to it now. It'll be now a thing right. where we're putting out a perfect product all at once. It but won't be five generations just to get to perfection. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I But I definitely don't feel like we need competition to like fuel anything because I like you can see when people are working together, when everyone's ideas are coming together, 
then you can create something much bigger rather than you over here with your idea. I'm over here with my idea and we're both creating something small. And then we come together with those things and it's something much bigger. Right. And then the next generation should be inspired by what we did. That's how it's supposed to go. You know what I mean? The whole thing, like technology really grows based on what people need. You know, Mm -hmm. like if you see a need for something, you create a thing and then you realize, oh, I can make that thing even better. And it just keeps going that way. And then that you have branches of things coming out. When we compete, it makes it so that we kind of stifle each other and ourselves, because instead of thinking creative, we're scared of not being the first, not being the best. And so we're less like withhold information. Right. You're less likely to take a chance, take risks because you're holding stuff back where if you just share it and we're all like, oh man, that's great. Let's all come together and make that even better. Here's my idea. I see how that works with your idea. Let's make that shit happen. And I was also thinking on it on a, a think a think tank perspective. Right, absolutely. And that sounds like, like that. Everyone walks in with the same information. And you know, even if we decide to go to our respective corners to think about it or or to put whatever research that we want to put into it, you know, at the end of the day, we still come back to the round table as a whole and, mm-hmm. and present, you know, what we got for whatever it is that we're trying to, you know, uh, uh, improve on. Right. It also makes me think of this podcast I listened to called The Friend Zone. Mm. And one of the hosts, Hey Friend Hey, she talks a lot about your ecosystem. And so that is your group of people who all contribute um to to how you all contribute to each other's dreams because you all have something to add and so let's say you have your um you're you're a director you want to make movies you want to direct movies but you're not great at writing movies but you have a friend who's great at writing and that person has a friend who's great at video production and then you have another friend who wants to be an actor and that is your ecosystem and you all come together and you can make a great thing whereas The director by themselves trying to do all those things when they're only great at one right fucks it up and you create something that's not that great whereas you use your ecosystem and you all come together and it would be great if the world was an ecosystem of creation and innovation as opposed mm. to competition mm. damn that was deep i mean you know, thank you i do what i can you know damn. inspired by hey friend hey i'm gonna give her, her credit with her credit is thank you hey friend hey mm. i appreciate you that was great <laughs> But yeah, if the world worked like that, it would be amazing. It would be amazing. That would definitely be dope. That would definitely yeah, be a it dope would be. Aspect. Like, think about the fact that people compete all the time on like, oh, I have an iPhone. I have a Samsung. This phone is better. But honestly, the two are the same phone. <laughs> they use each other's technology, software, hardware. They use each other's. They share it. People think they steal from each other. They don't. They literally share that stuff. Right. Uh, Samsung has sold stuff <clears throat> to iPhone Ooh, to Apple, you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so they yes. use each other's shit and then they yes. charge us an exorbitant amount of money to buy it and then we go on and say who is better who has the best so that we can keep on competing and spending more money and making those people rich exactly. <laughs> so it's like imagine if that was just taken out of it and it was just like one great phone that everybody in the world had with all the best software and all the best hardware and nobody was competing that would be and dope there are people out here you know young entrepreneurs now you know, because this is definitely the time for uh, young entrepreneurs to definitely get their shot. There are young entrepreneurs now with their own phone companies. And mm-hmm. a lot of people won't pay attention phone to companies, them. banks. They're not, you know, they're not a big name like, you know, uh, Verizon or, 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 mm-hmm. or T-Mobile. But 
even uh, Travis, I believe it's, I'm not sure if it was Travis Scott or Little Uzi Vert. One of those, <laughs> one of those. Little Uzi right? Vert, no thank you. Right. <laughs> I'm already on the fence I, with I can't, Travis Scott. I can't, I can't really think of which uh, artist in, in itself had put this together, but um, got his own phone company. There's somewhat trucking companies. There's, you know, and for, for them to start something like that, you know, whether or not it's a technological advancement, though, the entrepreneurship behind it in itself is something that should grow into something that we see more of in the future. And just the whole of, concept of entrepreneurship feeds back into um, capitalism. You know right. what I mean? It just it it feeds back into itself. You know what I mean? It's a mo- it's it's the snake eating its own tail. It's right. just gonna keep on right. going, and nothing is ever changing because nobody stops that cycle and says, "What if we all just work together?" And made right. one great thing instead of competing with all these mediocre things. Right. So now, and again, like I said, in, in, in a perfect world, we'd be able to bring all of our ideas to a table and have them heard. And I believe, and you're absolutely right that that is more likely to happen in an Afrofuturistic society because this is the side, the society we live in that was currently built by white people and white supremacy, and this is what they created. Imagine if other people had maybe had the leadership, you know what I mean, and didn't try to colonize and take over and own everything, and instead said, "Wow, I see this amazing society on this other land that we saw the as we were exploring." I wonder if we can work with them. I wonder if there are things that we can do with them instead of let's kill them and take their land and control them. Right. That part, <laughs> you know, like just, that part. And then, you know, even thinking about that, it brings me back to, um, and I had to watch this movie again because we just was recently talking about it, Powder. I ain't seen Powder in so long. I actually found it on the fire stick and it was actually, you know, Still same meaning, same same. Uh, Did same you cry meaning. again? He cried. No, nah, not this time. Don't this lie. time, no, nah, not this time. This time, I uh, I watched it with Kate, so I definitely manned up. So, <laughs> real men cry. Real men shed tears. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but uh, there was a, a a segment in the movie where uh, Jeff Goldblum is, is Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum in that movie. Yes, he is. Let me guess. He's a scientist. Yes, he is. <laughs> he's the science teacher. Oh, of course. <laughs> so he's um he starts explaining to Powder that he is probably one of evolution's greatest things. Where he's basically, you know, his complexion is his complexion. You know, with albino albinoism is that what it's called? Albinism. There we go. So he has that disease. But they're considering him. Not, I don't know if it's a disease so much as a skin condition. Yeah, skin condition. But they're considering him like uh, all races mixed into one, which, you know, gives him his look. He's not dark. You know, he's he's not necessarily what? Caucasian. You know, that's what they're saying. That that That's what that's, the way. That's not how albinism works. There are white people with albinism and there are black people with albinism. It's not. Well, he race. was saying that based on um the fact that uh, uh, the character Powder could use both sides of his brain. Um, he had a bunch of uncharted uh, powers that he... Everybody uses both sides of their brain. Well, <laughs> more so. What? He was using more percentage of his brain than normal. Everybody uses their whole brain for everything, 100%. That that thing about everybody using 10% is, is a myth. It's not real. <laughs> Well, I never. I, oh, I didn't know that, but the, that's the way he explained it in the movie. So I, I figured, oh, 
You must be on to something. So, um, and he was saying like, when you, 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 um, he was saying that, you know, he was going to get to a point where, you know, his intelligence and, and, and so on was going to grow to the point where he would be beyond a physical body. And this turn into a puff of gas. Uh, more like I don't know if you ever seen that episode of Futurama. Yes, with the puff of Leela, gas that was like yes. trying to hit on Leela. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so He's that's like, when you evolve past needing your physical body. Give me a call. <laughs> and that, and I never realized it, but that's basically what happened to the character at the end of the movie. Really, I thought he just died. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought he died. But ba- what he did was he left his physical being to become a part of everything. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, I okay. gotta watch that movie again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, going back and, and, and seeing that definitely brought some perspective. So I haven't watched that movie since I was like 10. Right. <laughs> so I have to watch it again. All right. Well, um, my answer to that question would be kind of similar to yours. But it, it would be a world in where um, white supremacy and capitalism no longer reign. And that would allow for other people's black, brown and otherwise to really prosper and really have some positive impact on the world where they are not having to fight through racism to do so. And so, yeah, it would be similar to what you're saying. I don't know if I would have it be the same way where everybody's collaborating, but likely without capitalism and white supremacy, that's what would happen. Yeah. Eventually that we might get there. Because there'll be no one man above the crew, no one right. race above the crew. Right. Everybody will be a part of the human collective, period. Right. That would be pretty amazing. So I agree. I think that your answer was pretty fucking fantastic on its own. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on and get into this week's movie it is the last week of black history month and we could not leave this month without talking about black panther black panther (laughs) (laughs) oh done So RFP to Chadwick Boseman, it was hard for me to watch this movie because I have not watched um, any of his movies since he passed away because I was like, it's going to make me sad. It's going to be hard for me to watch because it's just, it's a lot. And I didn't think I'd be able to get through Black Panther. And so I was like, after like, once I started trying to watch, I was like, I regret choosing this as a movie. I was like, (laughs) I don't know if I can do it. But I managed to get through. I just turned the movie on and I walked away. And I was like, I'm turning on, walk away. And then I'll come back and it'll be like, oh, it's already on. Let me just watch. I don't have to like, it's not a thing. I don't have to make it a thing. Shout so, out to Chadwick Boseman, R.I.P. R.I.P. Great actor, great you. humanitarian. Great actor, great man, great humanitarian, like you said. Yeah, just all around horrible loss for not just um, the arts, but for humanity as a whole. Just a yes. great person. Yes. So... Let's first, um, written by uh, Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole. Of course, it's based off of the Marvel comics by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Have you ever read Black Panther comics? Like before the yes. movie? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. I have not. I plan to read them because they've done new ones. Um, and Tana, Tana Hissi, Tana, I hope I'm saying his name, Tana Hissi Coates. Oh, you I don't got know if me I'm saying on his name one. correctly, but he's a, a Black writer, Black man. He, amazing writer oh my god mm. amazing writer and he wrote some comics for black panther after the movie came out 
Okay. And so I would love to read his, and I would also love to read the older ones as well. But at this point, trying to find those things because the movie and the franchise is so big now, it's right. It's a thing trying to find them. So, of course, starring Chadwick, starring Michael B. Jordan, Lupita, Denai Guerrera, Martin Freeman, Daniel Kalu- Kaluuya, who I love his face. Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. I love his face. Like I could, like if somebody took a stick and gorilla glued it to my head, like old girl, and then had <laughs> his picture on the front of it and just hung it there, I would just stare at his face forever. I don't, and I don't even think I'm attracted to him. So I just love his face. It's such a good face. I don't know. I'm weird. It don't. He's whatever. one of those actors to me who's like probably in in real life who's incredibly huge. He's and- not. He's he because in in the new movie that he's in, um, what is it? We was just talking about it. Uh, uh, um, Judas and the Black Messiah, yes, the Black Panther movie, which is another Black Panther movie. It's right. based on <laughs> like the right. real Black Panthers, the actual um, Black Panther. Yeah, him in that movie, his stature, he's a huge man. Really? He looks huge. Or does he look huge compared to his wife? Because the the girl that plays his wife is the girl that played the teenager in um Power. Yes, Project Power. And Project Power. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I I can't really she's say. Too, it, it, she's not every, a big girl. She's no, little. She's, she's short. Yeah, she's short. <laughs> but I think in every scene, even amongst other, you know, standing in a group of men, he looked huge. He might have beefed up for the for the role. Yeah, he definitely did. He beefed he up beefed for this. Up. Um, yeah. So he's in it. Letitia Wright, who I have loved Letitia Wright since I saw her in Doctor Who. The first time I ever saw her was on Doctor Who. And she was playing an alien with two faces, a face in the back of her head and then her regular face. And I know you're talking about. I just, she was so good in that role. And I just was, I, I was screaming while she was doing the, the episode. There's a moment where her mother's in like a chamber or something like that. And mm-hmm. like, oh, she's still alive. And she's like, well, get her out of there. And I was like, bitch, you better act. Was you she better also... act on this damn TV. <laughs> was she also on, um, was on Black Mirror. Yes, yes, yes. And her episode on Black Mirror, I loved it. Oh, so good. Just loved her chef's episode. Kiss. Like, what? So good. When I found out she was going to be in Black Panther, I was like, mm-hmm. It's about yep. to be something. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> so she's in it, and then there's somebody I'm forgetting. Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, not her, but there's somebody else. Forrest Mbaku. Whitaker. Um, Forrest Whitaker. No, oh, not Forrest Mbaku. Mbaku. Um, Winston Duke. Winston Duke. Thank you. My God. His name just completely went out of my brain. He's in it as well. And yes, Forrest Whitaker. Those are, they're not like super starring roles though. They're more like not even supporting. supporting. They're not even supporting actors. Like they're not major roles though. But they're, they're important to the story. Yes. But they're, sorry, they're, like, you say, don't okay. see them a lot in the, in the movie. You don't see them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I need to make some attention to is the composer of the score not Kendrick Lamar who did the soundtrack but Ludwig Jorensen he did all of the composition for this and when I tell you I this is the first movie I ever bought the score for I'm talking Mm. instrumentals and all that shit the first movie I ever bought the score and would literally just listen to that shit while I'm on the bus like Killmonger's beat that mm, yes come on every time he's on screen that little beat that drops Yes. Come on. 
Yes. This little well, white will... man did that? Come on. <laughs> that shit is yes. so fire. So yes. fucking fire. He did the music for Fruitvale Station, Creed, Creed 2, Tenet. He's done a ton of movies. But these are the movies that I know of. I haven't seen Tenet yet, but these are the movies that when I see Tenet is actually him, pretty I think good of these. Too. Huh? Tenet is actually very good too. Really? I haven't heard everyone I've heard of has said it's terrible. It's it's a confusing movie. It's one of those movies you gotta you can't be sitting there trying to make coffee, flip a pancake and watch. I mean, who does what? You gotta put the kids you got down. Some like, serious they gotta go ADD. If you're like, I'm gonna make breakfast, coffee, I'm like, what the fuck? No. Um <laughs> It's actually, very, it's actually very good but yeah i i want to watch it because i've heard so many reviews that are like it's so confusing people hated it and there's some people who are like it wasn't that bad it was all right it's confusing but i still kind of liked it so i want to see and they were and then i heard even from the actors some of the actors were like to be honest i was confused while making it i didn't know what the right. fuck was going on right. so I'm like, i right. really am curious about it but we'll see um budget was 200 million and for uh black panther yes and it mm. made 1.300 1.344 billion oh talk about a come up seriously talk about a come up putting something out into the world something you create your blood just sweat your tears and it brings back that kind of money that's the dream my brain can't even wrap around like i can't even conceptualize anything more than a few hundred million. Yeah, that's that's stand up straight money right there. Either way, even four hundred million is still. I mean, four hundred million is still stand up straight money. But. A million is stand up straight money for me. Right. I'd be like, oh, you giving me one million? And to be really <laughs> real with you, in the world we live in today, a million ain't gonna take you that far. Like you can blow nah, through a million. Just the concept easy. of it in itself is is stand up straight money. Right, like that you could put, but a million you can put on a house and it's gone one house and that's it is done right and that's not even like the full payment you could buy a house right. and that's your down money a million so think <laughs> of 1.3 billion dollars man listen that's that's My that's brain. oprah gift money right there oh I that is even. oprah gift money right there it is it's some kind of money <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's some kind of fucking money so let's talk about story and plot overall. Okay. There were a lot of people who said that the plot was really simple and it wasn't that challenging or interesting. I disagree. <laughs> I just disagree. I thought it was a great plot and a great story. Right. What do you think? I thought that the plot was excellent. I thought that the story was excellent. And it not only did it coincide with where the Marvel un- Cinematic Universe was going, Mm-hmm. anyway but i thought it, it definitely gave more light on the character of t'challa and and the black panther and it definitely you know opened up a door for a whole new world within a world mm-hmm. you know with wakanda wakanda was basically separate from the rest of the world they had their own technological advancements they had their own teachings they had their their own way of living and they pretty much you know stood to the side what the rest of the world battled over whatever it was that they had going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. despite despite one thing especially uh killmonger was making this his point throughout most of the movie you know 
black and brown people was going through turmoil throughout the entire world while Wakanda sat back and did nothing. Yeah, but it, that's and that's the strongest part of the plot or 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 the story for me, like that as Killmonger's motivation, like because the right. stakes have to be pretty high and we have right. to we in order for us to sympathize with Killmonger and which is something that you can see they wanted us to do. Right. They want us to sympathize with that character. And so in order for that to happen, they have to frame his motivations in a way that we can relate to it. And right. I'm going to be honest with you watching how beautiful Wakandan society is and as much admiration as I have for it. And, and yes, we know it's fake. No one here thinks Wakanda. Right, right. Just, just to be real. clear, we're not here like, oh, Wakanda, I can't wait to it. We know it's fake. But it's but, still Because there were actually people who saw this movie and thought Wakanda was a real place. So we're just... Yeah, so... <laughs> we praying for y'all and we yes. hoping for the best. Shout out to you. <laughs> you must also think the world is flat. Anyway... Right. <laughs> Wakanda <laughs> at the edge of the world, <laughs> the, right. the top edge. <laughs> that's right. where it's at. Anyway, that's the that's the second floor of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> the second floor. <laughs> you take the escalator up. It's right there to the left. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, seeing how advanced and how safe and happy black people were in their own little bubble, which is beautiful. But I'm thinking like. So y'all watch slavery happen. You watch the entire continent of Africa get ravaged by right. racism and white supremacy. Right. And then you watch people who look like you get destroyed in other countries and you didn't do anything to help. You had your war dogs out there watching this all go down and you just didn't give a fuck. How can you justify that? How? How can you watch the shit that happens right there in Africa when you think of all the wars and shit that go on in Africa? Yep motivated yep. by greed and selfishness all of the corrupt politicians and and the children being murdered women being raped like and you just like i'm just gonna live my life and we're gonna be happy here we're happy here that's none of our business how can you do that how can they justify that shit and that's why it made it so easy to be like i can fuck with killmonger one and two and all he wanted now do i feel like i'm gonna go and just kill all the white people no that's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> no. I think that one shed a little bit of light on how um, that kind of society that's led by kings and queens kind of lives. Where if it's not, if it doesn't affect our kingdom, if it doesn't affect what we have going on, it's none of our business. And I think that happens around the world. You know, it, it didn't have to be Wakanda. It's just Wakanda just so happens to be the representation of it. You know, I don't know yeah. if that's fully accurate or true because a lot of times um, when it comes to monarchies and shit like that, what they were doing is, yes, this is our empire, but I want our empire to grow. And so right. when they would step up to like help or protect, it was because they were also trying to colonize and, right. and overthrow. And right. so it was like, there was never really any genuine like, oh, I care about these people that you're harming. Let me help them. It was more like, I want to have this land as well to broaden my empire. So if I can take out this, let me show you how evil your king is and kill him or kick him out. And now I have right. power here and this is now my kingdom. And so I think that's more of what happened. And I think for Wakanda, they were like, well, we're not interested in taking over anywhere. So we're just going to stay to ourselves. And it's like, but y'all don't have to take over. Y'all can literally just help. That's right. it. Y'all can just right. help. But and then they were still, still trying to keep secrets. They, yeah, they were still trying to keep the secrets of the vibranium 
which was a metal that uh, fell to the earth in a meteor and landed pretty much in Wakanda and, you know, they mined it out. And that's what really helped a lot of their technological advances. Um, which only makes it more irritating because it's like, it's not as if there was something special about Wakanda itself. Something mm-hmm. happened to Wakanda and right. made it special. It's, right. That's it. It could have happened anywhere else. Right. It just so happened to be, it fell into Wakanda. That's what made Wakanda great. And it was like, if y'all, it could have happened anywhere else. And y'all could have been the ones being carted off to whatever country to be slaves. Right. And, and mind you, prior to the media falling and even after the media fell, um, the five tribes that were in that specific uh, area of Africa were all in turmoil. They were all fighting with one another. Mm-hmm. It took for them to find a common bond within the the meteor. The and, and everyone didn't even know about the the heart shaped herb mm-hmm. that gave them the powers. Mm-hmm. But the five tribes decided we're going to come together, be together, and you know. Uh, Mbaku and his crew was, you know, the the, the gorilla tribe. I guess mm-hmm. they held they 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 fought up in the mountains. Jabari. Yeah, Jabar the Jabari tribe. They held they fought up in the mountains because they didn't want to be a part of uh, the future. They wanted to live by the traditions of what their ancestors had already put in place. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the tribes was doing that already. It mm-hmm. took for to uh, to Chala and his dad who started venturing out into the world. And uh, uh, speaking on behalf of Wakanda and you know African leaders and so on and so forth, once uh, T'Challa's father was killed in what? Which movie was it? I think it was the Winter Soldier. Um, is it Winter Soldier? It was Captain no, America. Was Winter? Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winter. No, Civil War. Civil War. When his yeah. dad was killed in Civil War, you know. Uh, uh, T'Challa, Chadwick Bowman's character, pretty much ended up, you know, taking the mantle. He's the prince who becomes the king. And now, since he has worldly experience, he's coming to the throne with a fresh set of eyes. So he's like... Was he? Was he? Because he was fully prepared to continue things the way that they already were. Because remember when... um, And this is something I want to ask you. Because remember, a lot of people have mentioned, oh the way Wakanda ended up in the end where it was finally revealing itself to the world and we were ready to help and share our resources. That's what Nakia was telling him to do in the beginning of the movie. Nakia was saying, I'm out here in the world and I see how people are suffering and I cannot turn my back on them. And I wish Wakanda would help. I wish you would do more. Y'all can do more and still protect yourselves. We're strong. We can still protect ourselves and our secrets. And T'Challa was like, oh no, that's not the way we do things. And then when um when uh Killmonger finally comes he's like um well you're not here and I'm not the king and I'm not king of the the other people I'm king of Wakanda and that's it I don't really need to be doing all that he was still holding in that it wasn't until he realized wow we really hurt this boy by what Mm -hmm. we did to him and the world is really suffering the shit that he, he's showing me what the world is really sh- happening out there in the world maybe right. we should be doing things differently and so i want to ask do you think nakia could have convinced t'challa to make the changes killmonger forced over time yes, yes. i agree yes i think she's... that it would have taken longer but it would have happened eventually yes i do i do think it would have taken longer but her role in this movie <clears throat> 
She's an incredibly strong warrior. Um, she's a spy also too. She, you know, mm-hmm. she's, she's she's basically one of the war dogs. She's like yeah, she's out. one of the war dogs. Mm-hmm. But she's basically central in Africa still. So she's right. you know she's watching out for all of those kidnapped children, all of those uh the 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 human traffickers, mm-hmm. as well as the poachers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so her having this level of ex- exposure, and not only that, she goes to places like Asia, and she has you know connects out in Asia and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So she's definitely, you know, making, seeing the world for exactly what it right. is and then still knowing that she can go home to, you know, her, her, her paradise mm-hmm. and knowing that the world could be this paradise, mm-hmm. you know, if we help, if right. Wakanda steps in and helps, it may not happen. It may not, her generation may not see it, but her kids, kids generation may see it. It right. could be something that, you know, is set in motion. Or so, right. Even if like, they don't see the overall, like big picture ending that they want in her lifetime, it could be something that starts in her life. Like right. planting that seed where they start to send more resources out to other right. places and to other countries and doing more. And eventually they get to the place where everybody knows what Wakanda is and what Wakanda is about. And here we are now a part of the world properly a part of the world and sharing our resources that i i agree that would have eventually happened now, if killmonger hadn't come through like fuck it i'm burning it all down i'm doing it my way because <laughs> he also, learned from his enemy right also do you think that there is more of the heart-shaped herb i don't believe that that was all of it no there, there there's definitely more there's okay. not Cause I'm like, there's no way that he burned every little bit of it. Cause yes, we saw Nakia take that little one piece to right. say to to bring to Umbaku, but I'm mm-hmm. like, there has to be more. There's got to yeah. be more, especially if we're doing a part two. There's got to be more somewhere. It right. grew from the fucking mountain, so it's somewhere. It has somebody to. Somebody gonna right. To Somebody's gonna find more and bring it back, and they're gonna plant it, and it's gonna grow more. A whole another little garden. Of it has it, to so. grow. Remember the the meteor that hit Wakanda affected the land. Right. It affected the animals. Right. And was, uh, as well. Right. So, the plant life is going to still be the plant life. This is still coming out of the same ground exactly. that that meteor affected. So exactly. it's definitely going to come right back. Like he only burned the garden. He didn't right. burn like all he, of the land. He burned what was available at the moment. That, <laughs> right. That's what he did. Right. I was like, that's the garden. There's definitely more of that damn flower elsewhere right. in that country. Right. <laughs> like, come on now. That don't For make sure. sense, but okay. You you believe it, sure, Kilmongo, whatever right. you believe. <laughs> but not for nothing, he destabilized that, He did that exactly field. what um the CIA agent said. He destabilized them immediately. What he was trained to do, he did exactly that. Yep. Which and a lot of people was like, did anybody else catch what uh the, the CIA agent what was his name? Agent Ross, what Agent Ross was saying? Because yes. uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little scary to no, think that the, that is what America's is, out here doing. I'm like yeah, it sounds actually sounds absolutely right. What do you think all the 007s, all of the Mission Impossibles? What do you think these are about? Like, and not these just are... that, they frame it as if they're coming in to help this country, but no, they put the person they want to put in power, and then they move yep. on because they don't care if your leader is corrupt, so long as their corruption benefits them. Right. They don't care. <laughs> right. That's it's all about whose pockets is about. getting lined up at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. So. Mm-hmm. You know, he basically went in and he did exactly what he was trained to do. He destabilized Wakanda. He destabilized their resources. He destabilized any future resources of the uh, resources. Resources. <laughs> <laughs> Is you hungry? Is you wanting a sausage right now? Pause. <laughs> 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 
you know, he, he, he definitely destabilized them and he did it quickly. And not only did he destabilize them on resources, but he, he, he almost created a civil war. He turned oh, for sure. them against each other. For sure. The only reason that it didn't really turn into a civil war is because um, the Dora Milaje was still on his side. They were like, we right. served the throne. But had, um, had Okoye been like, nah, fuck you, I'm fighting you. You know it would have been a civil war between her and um Wakabi yeah. uh men. You know right. that. Right. Right. And I think they would have ended up being um uh if if the Jabari was to step down out of the mountains and and really get involved, I thought the Jabari could have been able to to overthrow them that without been a great time without, for them to come down right. during a civil war without, and then they come down and like, oh, let me now take over since y'all can't even exactly. get it together. Exactly. It would have that been. would have been a time that the Jabari would have came over and took over everything and then set them back a hundred years because they just believe in the traditions. I don't know if Jabari would have set them back. I don't think that um Umbaku was about going back. I think that Umbaku was more modern than he made it seem. I think that he just didn't like the way they were moving forward. He didn't yeah, like he, that he it definitely was- made mention on, you know, uh what's her name? Uh Latina? Latina Shuri. Yeah. Sherry, he was definitely making mention that, you know, she's a child, but she's the head of your technological advancements. And she's Scott's tradition. Right, you know, so, and I thought she was making history. I thought, it, you know, with, with the things that she was coming up with, mm-hmm. for not just for uh, uh, the kingdom, but for anyone, any, anywhere, she was definitely making history mm-hmm. for Wakanda. So I didn't look at her as, you know, she was, you know, scoffing at tradition. I just felt like the tradition would have held her back from her full potential. She yeah. was scoffing a little bit at tradition when she was making jokes during the ceremony. Yeah. You know what I mean? She It was a little bit like, you need to have some respect. This is important shit that your people are doing. Even if you don't enjoy it or you're bothered, you need to have some respect. And so I think that's what bothered him more was her lack of respect. and And he felt like, he probably had people that could do the job better than her, which is like, Shuri is a genius. She's literally a genius. No one is going to be able to do what she's doing better than her. Right. It's not it. <laughs> it's right. Not she's, she's, not she's Wakanda's Tony Stark. Right. And I feel like they whip upheld tradition pretty well, considering all of the technological advances. I don't right. feel like they left tradition behind. Right. Because they, they, as a people, they know who they are. You can right. look at the society, at the, the way they dress, the way they carry themselves. They still have their native tongue. They mm-hmm. know who they are as a people. Exactly. You know, techno- technology just came along with their exactly. uh, evolution. The technology did not squash out their traditions and 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 their customs. It just grew alongside and adapted. And I think right. that's ideal. And I don't right. know if Umbaku realizes that or if he felt like there was something else that could be done or if he felt bothered by the fact that he was left behind. But it's like, your people chose to be left behind. They didn't want to be a part of it. Right. That they were they were invited. It's not as if they were ostracized. They were invited and they chose not to be a part of it. You know what? I've always been I've, 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 after this movie, I've been curious about. I didn't know Africa had snow. Why wouldn't it? I, yeah, <laughs> I, <it> was, <laughs> I mean, if you think of, like if you think of like Africa isn't in an area where they're like it like like you would think of certain areas like. I, I want to say Australia, but that's wrong. But there's certain areas where it's like that country where it's located on the pla- on the planet doesn't get snow. But 
Africa is a whole continent. And so right. I thought it was some just parts that. of the continent are in areas where it probably never gets cold, but other parts of the continent are up northern parts are right. going to get colder. And, and if you're on the mountains, which is where Umbaku was, no matter where mountains are located, the higher up they get, the more snowy it gets. Okay. So that's <laughs> what pretty much, that's the only thing I could think of was like, damn, that means it must be real high up on this mountain because I don't know snow in Africa to be, you know, a thing. Because <laughs> I've, I've met several Africans in my life right here in New York City who come November, December, February have seen snow for the very first time. I mean, that's not impressive, CJ. There's people who grew up here in the United States who've never seen snow. Mm, well, yeah, you true that one. <laughs> that's not really, yeah, a, yeah. that's not that, like, hmm. like I've, I've met people who, like, grew up in L.A., or Louisiana or some shit, which now Texas is covered in snow, which I hope they get through it because they are yeah, struggling. I really not going through it in there, out there. My goodness. But yeah, there are places like LA. People come from who grew up in LA and then they come to New York and visit for during December or January and they're like, oh shit, this is snow. Right. You know what I'm saying? I know people who grew up in Vegas who've never seen snow. Mm. Where I live in Oakland, it does not snow. It doesn't mm. snow here. It it rains. That's it. That's winter is like a few weeks of a lot of rain, but there's no snow. So there's a mm. lot of people who ain't never seen snow. <laughs> mm. It's hard to believe that when you've grown up in the Northeast of the U.S. where you're like, right. the snow ravages you. Like, <laughs> right? That's life. Just, yeah, <laughs> and it's you, hard you, to think that there are places where people just don't see. But yeah, that's word, a normal right? thing. <laughs> blew my mind. I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> that is a pretty normal fucking thing. It, it's true. You it, you can forget that if you've only ever grown up with snow. Another right. question I wanted to ask, since we were talking about Wakabi and shit, do you think Wakabi and his tribe would have done this coup anyway and tried to overthrow the king eventually, even without yes. Killmonger? Yes. I do too. think they would have did that because they wanted the position. They wanted to run Wakanda. They felt I don't like, think they wanted to run Wakanda so much as they wanted, they felt like they, they were getting ignored and forgotten about because they were the border exactly. tribe. And so right. they're out there protecting Wakanda. The border. And yeah. remember in the be- beginning, Wakabi was like, um, we don't need to let people in, but if you want me to go out there and we could take over some shit, we could do that. Because right. that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go out and take over shit. Yeah, that's he was he still... Was he he still had a vengeful spirit after losing mm-hmm. his. I think I think he lost a, uh, his parents. Yeah. Uh, yeah. During uh, a strike that when Claw came and stole the vibranium, mm-hmm. and you know that right there, you know he he oh that was his motivation as to w- what he was feeling. He lost some money and he wanted to go out there and seek revenge. He wanted an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. He had been he waiting for, right. No, actually, what he really wanted, he just wanted Claw to face justice. A hundred percent. And that's what I'm like. I feel like if Claw, if he would have brought Claw back, Wakabi would have let it go. Yeah, he'd have he let it been go. Like, he all let done. It go. He'd have been a different citizen. Yep. He'd have been a whole different citizen. His yep. motivation would have been completely different. But since uh, Killmonger ended up bringing Claw in. He was like, okay, well, you the fuck I'm going to follow then. Yep. You the guy I'm following. Because you can tell Wakabi don't have a problem following a leader. He's not interested yeah. in taking over. He just wants to be a tyrant. He's okay with running out and just being the madman that kills everybody. That's right. what he wants. He's okay he wanted with to muscle. fight. He's okay with the dirty work. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay and he was that. like, all we doing out here is farming and protecting the border. But can we, we can go out there and we can bust some guns if you want to. It ain't shit to me. Yeah. Okay. I got a whole, I got a whole, what, what was that? The, 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 the dashiki? What, what was no, that? it's not a dashiki. It's what called, called um, it? it's not a dashiki. It's from the um, Besoto tribe. Um, and I think it's called, I think it's called the Lesotho. I might have that incorrect, but it's an actual tribe where they have these, bl- they're um, a farming tribe and they mm. have these blankets that they um, wear to cover them in the cold. And right. so, cause the area they live in in Africa is actually really cl- cold. And so they cover themselves with it and the symbols on it represent like their tribe and their nation and all that stuff. And so they had, that's the blankets they were inspired by when they use it right. for um, Wakanda tribe. They, they aligned their clothing with, with vibranium, uh, vibranium, mm-hmm. so that they can use the 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 to make a shield. They can yeah. use their clothing and make a shield. That yeah. was probably the coolest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool too. What what? Okay, let's ask that. What are some of the the best ways you think they use vibranium outside of Black Panther's like armor and shit? Oh, suit. outside of his armor, um, uh, uh, uh what's her name? Uh, Shiri sneakers. Speakers that didn't let out sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I thought those were definitely great. Um, the the communication beads that they was wearing on their wrists. The, oh, oh, what did they call them? Uh, I forgot oh. what she was calling them, but she Something had a million beads. uses for them. Yo, communication. Um, yes. They were they, used as like a remote control to, to yes. stop and start thing. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like they, had, they had like the they had uses. like the image of the person come yes, up the hologram, the hologram yes hologram in your hand yes and you can stand next to somebody put mine next to yours and, and then we can get both of y'all have the same hologram <laughs> and she you and remember he used it to save Agent Ross he just put a bead in his back yes. to maintain him yes. until they could give him get him back to Wakanda like a what those beads uses. are sick those beads are imagine <laughs> having that. You go to the doctor, walk in there. Doc, my arm broke. Here, put this bead in it. I'm going to just... <laughs> You'll be all right. Swallow this bead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty in- insane. That's pretty amazing. That right I, there I was very impressed by that shit. I was impressed by that. The way that they... You know, the way that the vibranium affected their lives and, you know, not just, you know, but, uh, uh, weapon making. It, it affected their lives in the way they dressed. Um, mm-hmm. um, the way they prepared their meals, the way they lived, mm-hmm. their homes, everything had some type of a vibranium effect to it with, you know, just taking those natural elements and splashes of science mm-hmm. growing alongside of it. And, and I thought that along in a society, that's, that's excellent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I agree. I, I thought every, every, I thought just every way that they used it was amazing. I think some of my favorites would probably be just the fact that they put it into their clothing and right. used it as, as like just like making armor and shit in their regular clothing and shit like that. I thought that was pretty amazing. And Imagine what it could do though. It's probably got like a warming effect. It get cold outside. It's just start warming up. Or who knows? <laughs> who fucking knows? Like you don't need, you don't need to wear layers. Your your right. vibranium shirt will adjust to the temperature to keep your right. body the temperature it needs to be. Like that right. would be fucking amazing if they have that shit. I thought that was so cool and just seeing people out 
it wasn't just the royal family that we saw using it. Like you, when you, when yeah, they went they to the little everybody. market, when they went to the little market, you saw everybody with their beads and with their vibranium shit talking to each other and shit. Yeah. Like it was so cool yeah. to see how they really utilize technology in that society with the vibranium. I, it reminded and still me of with like, culture. It reminded me of uh, a lot of today's movies. When you watch international movies, such as European movies, like uh, Black Mirror, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, you watch Black Mirror and they have cell phones. We don't like they're like thin pieces of glass that just mm-hmm. you can see through on both sides. I don't know if it's real or not, but I don't think it's just real. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not real, <laughs> but it's, it, it, it circulates in a but- lot of European movies. But I see what you mean, like like that. Those things are not real, like. But I see what you mean of seeing, because a lot of the technology that we currently have in real life has mm-hmm. been inspired by things yeah, people movies. saw in sci-fi yeah. movies and TV shows, and was like, I wonder if we can make that for real. And so mm-hmm. here we are now, where we can speak to each other via a video, <laughs> and see each other's face when there was a time when the only way to talk to somebody was to write them a fucking letter. Right. <laughs> So right. a Hoping lot the of what we, found his way, like you know, right. Hope, hope, just hope. hope you get there. <laughs> I hope, hope you, get you there. have Nobody to write that on the letter. Hope use letter finds you well. But yeah, I, I feel so that makes sense. And seeing that, so when you what you're talking about is like you see somebody using a piece of technology that you just have never seen before in life, and you're right. just like shit shit like that can exist and it's like maybe it can not yet but maybe it can you know what i'm saying like maybe in another thousand years or because i don't see that happening anytime soon we can Mm -hmm. have some beads where we just take a bead off and toss it and now we have a hologram of the person we want to talk to like that could happen man that could happen you know how many come-ups to be around in the streets right now they'd be walking around like yo i just found five beads bro i'm about to go to the store just I'm about to sell these right here, but only downside. <laughs> only downside is everybody always knows who you're talking to, and so if that you're part. trying to talk to your side piece, you gonna have to be very careful. Right. <laughs> your whole conversation is out in the open. Word. <laughs> and if you're one of those people who like to sneak off to the side and use your phone, <laughs> right? Or you trying to have a private conversation with your doctor, so your test results came back, and you got the whole yeah. hologram up. Word. <laughs> And he got like a whole bullet point. Like, see, this is your penis. These areas. This this red area right here is not good. Not at all. You see, we're going to get the ointment for that. Also, you know the burning inside? Let me open this up and show you the documents. (laughs) You're just standing in the middle of the grocery store like, fuck. (laughs) Now everybody's sitting there with their eggs like, okay. (laughs) He's going Uh through it. Yeah, you can go ahead of me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't touch my car. Thank you. Don't, don't touch my car. Don't ahead. You nasty. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. Hella embarrassing. Um, what is your favorite scene in this whole movie? Um, my favorite scene is Killmonger in the museum. When he's mm-hmm. talking to the, I think she's the museum curator. Yeah. And, and she's telling him the history of some of the artifacts that they have on display. And she gets to this one artifact and she's like, yeah, it's this, that, the third, 17th century, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, no, it ain't. That's mm-hmm. Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And I know because of this, that, and the third. And she, he was like, don't worry, I'm going to take it off your hands for you. 
Mm-hmm. And she was like, it's not for sale. He looked at her and was like, how you think your, uh, your white ancestors I love that line. How you think your ancestors got their hands on it? I love that line. Because I was like, yes, <laughs> ma'am. How did you think they got it? You right. think they paid a fair price? Like he said. Right. So I love that line. because it, it. And then he looked at her and he was like, look, you got all the security that have been watching me since I walked in here. Mm-hmm. You're watching me so hard. You ain't even paying attention to what you're putting in your own body. Mm-hmm. She was and then, burping and holding her gut the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time, I was like, Word. "Is she all right? right? <laughs> like she like got she a little got gas?" Like, right? I was like, "She, she, she might want to go to the bathroom before she right. meet with somebody." Like, what? It's and it's like, no, she's been thing. poisoned. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was a a, a a very. I thought that was a, a, an inspiring scene because it made you want to just pick up a book. You were inspired. And, and know, I, yeah, because I don't want. I'm I'm one of those people. I don't like to find myself in a situation where I'm the dumbest person in the room. Oh, you mean inspired to learn about the 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 artifacts and how they get into museums and stuff? Right. I'm thinking you mean inspired to go kill a white woman. I was no. like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? You were inspired? What? Not quite. Not quite kill everyone. I just wanted to be smart. Like, be careful about how we let a killmonger influence us. Like, what? He is called killmonger. I mean. <laughs> Like, what the hell? Right, I was inspired. So, I went out there and I found me a white woman. I just kidnapped her, you know what I'm saying? And I just, her, like, what? I just poisoned her and demeaned her <laughs> while she was dying. <laughs> called her names, called her a stupid white bitch, you know what I'm saying? Just regular shit. Told her everything about history, you know, you know how it goes down. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, but I agree. I, I have been noticing a lot of conversation about that about decolonizing museums and the fact that a lot of that stuff is stolen and was taken during genocides and horrible crimes against humanity and -hmm. they're now profiting off of it in some way and putting it on display and some of that stuff is really sacred and should not be on display Mm -hmm. and so there's been a lot of conversation around that which I I agree with and and I feel I don't know I feel conflicted because I love museums. It's like one of my favorite things. Isn't it considered a war crime to steal cultural effects? I don't know if it's considered a war crime. It's a crime in general, but I don't know if it's a war crime specifically. I don't know. I Um, mean, I I, I figured it'd be a war crime because it's uh, a lot of these things you know happen during wars. Not necessarily. A lot of this stuff happens during. invasions or uh not invasion that's alien invasion (laughs) Um, um, what is the word i'm looking for um there's a word i'm looking for but something like that it's it's done when another country is coming into the country and taking over the uh, it's a war if the two countries get to fight each other it's not a war if one country comes in commits genocide and then takes all the shit that's called an invasion yeah yeah right. that that's why invasion came to mind but there's a specific word that's not invasion it means the same as invasion but it's not invasion <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. and i can't remember what the fuck it is but yeah so that's usually how those things get taken or sometimes it's taken um during uh it's it's taken during a war but the person who takes it isn't a part of the war it's like a, a opportunist who's like oh they're fighting right take right this shit and right. then I'm a, you know what I mean? They're not really right. a part of the war. It's shit like that that happens. And so yeah. I don't know how how that's classified. I know that it's still a crime, but I'm not sure how it's classified as a crime or what. But it, I, I felt, I feel conflicted. Well, not conflicted, because I feel like it's 100% wrong for shit to be in a museum that was stolen. And it, if it's in the museum, it needs to be something that's agreed upon with 
the tribe or the culture that it was taking from because some museums do that they'll be like with an Indian tribe like hey we want to utilize this thing that you have we want to put it in our museum we'll give you credit and then you know whatever profits we get we'll share with you and then we'll give it back to you after a certain amount of time that right. happens but then right. you have where the museum is like no it's <laughs> ours we bought it off of this art dealer who had it in their family yeah. for whatever amount of years and their great 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 grandfather stole it from this tribe leader and right. it's like okay but it was originally stolen we don't care how you got it it belongs to us and right. so that's where I feel that's, that's where I feel bothered. Comes. Right. That's where I feel bothered by it because it's like, give it back to the people it belongs to. Make an right. agreement with them. And if they don't want you to have it, you can't have it. Exactly. That's it. That's just that's just the general pr- principle of ownership. Right. That's it. And it sucks because yes, you want to see it and learn about the cultures, but I would rather go to a museum on an Indian reservation to learn about various Indian cultures and tribes and all of that than to go to the MoMA or, you know what mm. I mean? I would rather that and right. give that money to that community and help right. them grow and get better. Because let right. me tell you, there is no community that is suffering more than the Native American indigenous communities in any country. That's a big fact. And big so fact. I would rather let them have their own museum. And if they want to put their own artifacts in it, that's where I'll go. And that's where I'll put my money and learn about shit. That's what I would right. rather be happening. Right. But, you know, again, capitalism. So, but that was my, um, that was my favorite scene in that movie. What was your favorite scene in that movie? My favorite scene is the casino scene. That oh. whole fight scene oh. from beginning to end when Okoye jumps off the thing and ah! Yes. And I love I, I love her. I love the banter of of when she was wearing the wig. Right. She's like, oh, the wig. fucking disgrace. And she can't even get it together. <laughs> she like, want the shit off me. I love that whole scene from beginning to end. And I saw Black Panther, um, I think like seven or eight times in the movie theater. I don't know how mm-hmm. many times I've seen it since then. But I went almost every day after work. I would buy my tickets in the morning. And then I would go after work. And I would go see Black Panther. <laughs> It was ridiculous. Like people at my job be like, what you doing after work today? You gonna see Black Panther? I'd be like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm going to see it again. <laughs> yes, I am. And I would sit in the theater and when that scene was, I would be on the edge of my seat during that scene every fucking time. Favorite scene by far. That and my second favorite is, and it's weird that I love this scene because it always made me dizzy in the movie theater. But when Killmonger has taken over the throne and he's walking in, to sit mm-hmm. at the throne and the screen is upside down and it's spinning. Yeah. And then we come right back and he's sitting in the throne. And I was like, I love the symbolism of it. I loved the music that was playing and the fact that it's letting us know that shit is upside down. Literally, the screen right. is upside down right now in Wakanda. I love right. that scene. I think it always made se- me dizzy. <laughs> right. It always made me dizzy, but I loved it. <laughs> My second favorite scene is probably one of the ending scenes when uh, Killmonger is killed and he's looking at the uh, sunset over Wakanda that his father promised to show him but never got a chance to. And uh, um, T'Challa says to him, you know, we can heal you. We can fix you. Well, is that your favorite line? Because I want to ask you what's your favorite line. That's it's. This is my favorite line then. Okay. Okay. So this is my favorite line. And he was like, he's telling, he was like, you know, we can heal you. And he was like, for what? So y'all could be end up in, so y'all could lock me up, put me in chains. Mm-hmm. And he, that line where he says, um, 
Make sure you 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 throw my body in the sea. He said, "Bury me in the ocean." Bur- bury me with in my the ancestors ocean. because well, they knew death was better than bondage. Better than bondage. Bruh. Mm-hmm. Bars. With my ancestors who jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bars. Mm-hmm. Bars. Every, let me not, when I tell you, ain't hey, a black person alive who don't enjoy that line. <laughs> they love that line because <laughs> yeah. it's so fucking real and it's like and it's not to discredit the people who survived that journey and became slaves that's not right. even it. it's not even like well they were weak because they know it's just like once a lot of people didn't know where they were going or what was happening right and so they didn't even have the wherewithal even the strength to jump and right. so it's like besides think, most of them didn't see the top deck Right, never to even get a chance to jump. They were locked right. at the bottom of the fucking ship, In the starving to death. And it's right. like I completely understand having that feeling of like I would rather just jump because I I I don't want whatever's coming. It cannot right. be good. But I also understand being like I'm. I I don't even know what's coming. I'm gonna just sit here and see what's happening and hope that it's not as horrible as it seems is going to be. I, I don't know. It's just such a great line and I get it completely. And I think it perfectly sums up and aligns itself with who Killmonger was. Yes. Like, I will take violence. Yes. <laughs> every... I'll take violence. What, I will what, take what, violence. What are the options? Peace and what? <laughs> oh, I'll take the second one. I'll take the latter. Give me a whole moment. <laughs> I will take the violence. I'm Thank coming you. back for seconds. <laughs> exactly. You have more? More violence? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucking so he crazy ass. He was definitely the extremist. Yeah. In this movie. yeah. He was definitely down to die for exactly what he believed. For any cause. For, for, the, for his cause. He was yes, ready to his die cause. for 100%. So yeah. and I he agree, saw an opportunity and he went for it. And that line right there just showed that he wasn't, you know, just a war hungry uh, uh, villain through this movie that he was educated. He knew about his ancestors and, and he knew about, you know, uh, even from the, the, the scene in the museum, he knew Wakanda, he knew their- Because uh, um, his father taught him. Right, right. His father taught him in a, and I'm quite sure that he grew up looking at the rest of the world and thinking and comparing what he would already have in his mind as Wakanda because he didn't get to see it as a child. Mm -hmm. So comparing what his father had already taught him to the rest of the world and knowing that, you know, Wakanda had all of these technological advancements, that they had all of the weapons that could have freed their, uh, that could have freed uh, people across the world and, and put oppressors in a serious position. But then at the same time, we live in a time where I think that would have backfired if everybody would have had those weapons you know especially black people because um i I definitely think that it would have just created world war three it would not have been a i don't think it was going to work out the way killmonger imagined i think he really thought that he was going to go in and take over that was not going to happen it would have absolutely been world war three white white folk ain't finna give up their white supremacy and they what right and not only that you have uh, black people that would have looked at that as an opportunity for themselves to come up, and we'd have had a million uh, uh, arms dealers running around. Oh, that so, would have happened as well. Which is, so, it happens. And they a would lot have been selling to the enemy because remember, arms dealers don't pick sides. They don't give a shit. Which can we talk about the fact that <laughs> what's his name? Claw is an arms dealer with an arm that is a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Why that tickles me. It makes me laugh so much. 
even though I know he didn't start out that way, because it's just been a running joke in every Marvel movie he's in that his arm gets right. ripped off. Yes. <laughs> he cannot keep his fucking arm. <laughs> Ultron did that to him. Ultron yeah, he was the first one to rip it off. He was like, oh, my bad. Sorry. He's sorry. Like, ooh, ooh, it's gonna be okay. He's like, my bad. I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. Ooh. Right? I'm sorry. Like, how you rip somebody arm off and be like, ooh, sorry. Like, yeah, it's not like poke, like if, if you poke somebody in the eye by accident, you step on a toe. You know, that's a ooh, right, my bad. Like, that's okay? a my bad. Yo, you okay? Oh damn! <laughs> you you know, rip off an arm. Rip a whole limb off. <laughs> like, ooh, ooh shit. Ooh. You all right? Damn, you, you gonna be okay? Don't worry about it. Just hold it. <laughs> he gonna be okay. Look, he just hold be it up. Hold it Yo, up. Pat him on his back. Age of Ultron <laughs> is low key funny as fuck. Yes, that movie yes, is so yes. funny. <laughs> What's the guy's name that uh play? I think his name is David Spader. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that plays Ultron? Yes. He's also know. the actor in uh, another TV show called um um what's that show he's in? Uh, um um god damn. He has a show that excellent. When I tell you excellent, I don't know. From episode 1, he's like the most wanted man in the world. But nobody knows how to catch him. And out of nowhere one day he just walks into FBI headquarters. I have no idea. Holds his jacket, gets on the floor, puts his hands behind his head, and everybody realizes who he is. Then they point guns at him. He said, look, I just want to talk to the man in charge. And I'm letting you all know right now, none of you have power. And he literally ended up running the FBI for that whole season. <laughs> what? Like, God, what is the, the Blacklist? Oh, I, I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it. Haven't Watch heard, The Blacklist. Okay, I'll check it Watch. out. Watch. Great move. Great show. <laughs> Okay, well, I want to give a couple of my favorite lines, too. Okay. The first one, it's hard for a good man to be king. That was Mm. T'Chaka said that to T'Challa. Yes, he did. And I thought that was a wonderful line because it's so real, especially in this world where corruption and capitalism and, and racism and all of that shit. And it's like sometimes you have to do dirt to get shit done. If you are in politics and all that shit, which is being a monarch, it's it's political, right? It's a political system, and so there's times when, in order to get along with somebody else, you got to do dirt to another, and it's like you are a good man, and it's going to be hard for you to do the dirt you need to do to be the leader you need to be, right? And I was like, damn. And I've always been told, I've always been told that in order to make it to a certain level of politics. You know, to be up there with them politicians, you got to be willing to get your hands dirty. You got to mm-hmm. be willing to yeah. you know, tarnish someone's image and, and their yeah. well-being and take out of the food, uh, take food from their mouths and the mouths of their children. And <laughs> it's like that line right there is hard for a good man to be king. Yeah, I love that's, that line. I thought it was real. great. And it also... This movie reminds me so much of Thor Ragnarok. Like they mirror each other in a lot of ways. Next time you watch Thor Ragnarok, uh-huh. it's almost the exact same movie. It's the same plot almost. And I don't, I don't remember. Ragnarok came out first. Um, I don't remember. Like I don't, I'm not trying to say they copied each other or anything, but they mirror each other in a lot of ways. <laughs> if you get a chance to watch Thor Ragnarok again and have Black Panther in your mind. They mirror and and I I think I saw this because I do this thing where I'll do a binge watch and I'll watch 
all the MCU movies at yeah, once, and I would thing. and I would notice that, and I'm like, yo, they have so many similarities. And then I think a year ago, maybe somebody wrote an article talking about that, and I was like, I thought I was the only one who saw that. Yeah, they have a lot of similarities. These two movies, and they they move in the same way. And mm-hmm. there's a moment that Thor has with his father where he says essentially the same thing to Thor. And it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why Thor doesn't really want to be king. But right. anyway, another of my favorite lines is, um, <laughs> of course, hey, auntie. Hey, auntie. Come on now. <laughs> Yo, Michael B. Jordan. And mind you, that was an ad lib. That was, that was not an ad lib. That was an ad lib. He just said that shit. He walked it's into the so room. Good. Hey, auntie. That was so good. Pulled his lip down. They knew what time it was. Hey, auntie. Okay. Ask me who I am. Okay. And ask nobody was. And that one at, finally asked him. He screamed <laughs> it and he was like saying it. And um, I forgot the language is Soksa. I think they're speaking. It's a uh, real language. It's a real African yeah. language. Um, mm-hmm. But he says it in their language and he's telling them who he is. And his name is Njadaka. I think his name is. His, right. Uh, Wakanda like name and he's saying it and blah 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 and then they show the thing and hey auntie and I was like I remember in the theater everybody <laughs> cracking up everybody was like did this nigga say <laughs> everybody was cracking up so I remember watching an interview with um with Angela Bassett and they asked her like what was your reaction when you know Michael B. Jordan walked in on set and just screamed and, and just screamed out to you hey auntie she said, "Well, we had to do, we had to shoot that twice because it was so un- unexpected. Everybody started falling out. I wonder what happened. I was like, did they laugh? Because I wouldn't have to keep a straight face after he said that. I'm like, what did you say? <laughs> Your stupid ass. But uh, her and uh, her and Forrest Whitaker also said that there was a lot of scenes, important scenes that you probably usually only get one shot at doing mm-hmm. that they had to do twice." because of the banter between the actors and they kept, you know, falling out of that serious mm-hmm. role and laughing at each other and mm-hmm. finding jokes. So there was a lot of role. There was a lot of scenes that should have only been done once. And they actually got a second chance at doing it just based on um, the relationship, the bonds that they they built with each other and, and being funny and just having fun yeah. doing their job. That, so. that's, you can tell the, the chemistry between them all was really good. Um, but I think one of the reasons why I, it, it's, I, I don't know if it being an ad lib made it so that it was delivered really well from Michael B. Jordan, but I also think that he delivered that last line that you you like really right. well. Also, I just there was some times when Michael B. Jordan was speaking where he wasn't delivering the lines to me. Yeah, there was several times really well. Movie. Like it, it wasn't yeah. strong in some places, especially when he was given the monologue in the um in the throne room and he's uh-huh. he's talking about this is he's like and i'm my people but we were struggled but it's just the way that he was speaking right. and delivering a line it didn't feel right <laughs> it was like something mm, and, and at that point that's when i realized he's that he's the I, I don't know if you remember back in the day they used to have like this 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 scale on how you would write uh, uh weigh out the radical thinkers from you know, the Malcolm X is from the Martin Luther Kings. Your, your baby is so loud. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's probably right outside my door. Oh, she's playing delivery. So she's delivering toys to her other toys. Oh. <laughs> Eventful delivery. Okay. Right. But she over here talking to customers and shit. Like, folks are waiting for their package. You right. Get moving, UPS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Show ain't getting mad and shit like niggas ain't answering the door. <laughs> Why is giraffe not home? <laughs> okay, um, I don't. What are you talking about? What scale? Um, they used to have like this. This the way they used to uh, uh, classify certain um, uh, freedom fighters, if you want to say it. Like they looked at Malcolm X as a radical. They looked at the Black Panthers as radicals. Like they, they were people who are willing to do anything for their cause. Mm-hmm. And then you had the Martin Luther Kings, who are more peaceful. They, they, you know, they went towards protests and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to Killmonger that's when I started realizing with him at that moment, sitting on that throne, when he was, he was, you know, giving that monologue. And I guess that's what they was trying to get across is that I'm not here to, to do, I'm not good at speeches. I'm good at action. See, but that's so. not what was bothering me. It wasn't about Killmonger being good at speeches. It was about Michael B. Jordan, the way he was saying the words. It felt like there were times when he was going from Killmonger to Michael B. Jordan. Right. <laughs> it was but like- Isn't he originally from California? I don't know where um, Michael B. Jordan is from. I have no idea. Because I don't, he has I don't know anything uh, about Michael B. Jordan except that he's dating Lori Harvey. He has. Uh, he has. He has a West Coast disposition. He carries himself like somebody from Cali. Either way, he wasn't staying in character for some of them words. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to get across. Like there were times when the lines were not delivered. Like if you listen to him speak, it's like. He was the only the difference between the someone reading the line is like if someone wrote the word, me and my friends went to the store and we just hung out at each other's house. There is a way that you would say that you'd be like, yo, me and my homies went to the store and we chill at each other's crib. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And he was going from speaking like that to so he would be like, me and my homies, we went to the we went to the store and then we were at each other's houses and we sat together and we were chilling at the crib for a little bit. And it was going in and out like that. And it was like, <laughs> I need you to stay in Killmonger. <laughs> like, like it was just a little bit like mm, the lines were getting a little difficult. You know what I mean? And it was like he wasn't he was you could tell he was just saying what he memorized and not right. actually delivering the lines as a character. <laughs> And right. it was like, I need you to deliver the line as the character, not just remember it as it was on the page. He but anyway, <coughs> right. my last favorite line, are you done? Hold <laughs> up. Uh, are you, are you done? I, I don't know how I didn't mention that. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't mention that. You cannot talk here. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, the yawn. The yawn. Hmm. Are you done? No, as big as that man is, no base in the yawn. Hmm. He was tired. He was tired. Oh, are you done? Are you are you done? He was so bored with their friendship. He was like, I don't give a fuck. Get right. out of my kingdom. Like, get the hell out. I helped you guys as much as I could. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. Gracefully. I'm already taking a nap. Are you done? I have used that. So many ways in life <laughs> since I've seen that shit. At <laughs> work, are kids are talking crazy. Are you done? Are you done? <sighs> so good. So fucking good. So there's a whole lot of like representation and stuff that we could talk about, like how different tribes are represented. I don't want to get into that because I feel like at this point, this movie came out in 2018. Right. And so 
you have several years of articles to go and research <laughs> and read and learn about the various tribes and languages that were represented. I'm not going to break that shit down here because that would require an episode all on its own just to break that shit down. There are so many layers and levels to all that shit. On a scale of one to five heart-shaped herbs, what do you give this movie? I would give the brack tanta <laughs> four in the half heart-shaped herbs. <laughs> and that's with the powers not stripped away. Stripped away. <laughs> like, bruh. You're putting Shout your rolling R's where there are no R's in the word. Yeah, like, I felt like he almost wanted to be Spanish a little bit. Like, he just didn't know what language he was. But he that's the thing. A lot of... A lot of languages roll their R's, and even um, Letitia, when her character Shuri spoke, she rolled her R's. Even Okoye rolled her R's, but it was because there were R's that belong in the word that she rolled. It didn't sit on there. She said, my brother brother will be back soon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like my My brother. brother. It was my brother will be back. Dude, ain't no R in the word back. <laughs> he was putting R's in words that did not have R. And then words that did have R, he was putting extra R. And he yeah, was, was sitting on that roll for too yes. long. Shout out to Forrest Whitaker, man. Shout Excellent out. actor, man. Fantastic actor. <laughs> no disrespect at all. I love that man. What he is that, great. Man. I, I don't think I've uh, ever seen him in a role I didn't enjoy him in. And not for so nothing. That I don't understand terrible. how he got this accent so long when he did Idi Amin. That's um, uh, uh, last the, king the, of Scotland. Yes, yes, the king. He bodied that role because it's probably it's two different languages. Yeah, yeah two, two different, different dialects, you know I mean? two different yeah. accents, and so he had to right. learn something new for this one. He was just right. too much. Blah. Too yeah. much. <laughs> I can't even get my tongue to do that. Shit. <laughs> Like, bruh, ain't no R in black. Why are you rolling your R? (laughs) I don't get it. He said he will have his power ripped away. away. I was like, what the fuck? Does it hurt his face to form these words? Like, I too. Is it hurting? It sounded like it was painful. Does it hurt, Mister Whitaker? Are you all right? Okay, well, I will give it five out of five. Even though, even though there are flaws, and sometimes the way Michael Jordan delivers his lines, um, Forrest Whitaker's accent is a hot ass mess. There are times, and someone pointed this out in their YouTube video. Shout out to Evelyn from the internet. She pointed out the fact that sometimes Chadwick's accent went a little Jamaican. Yes. So he was like yes. vibranium and it went, it went <laughs> come to my kingdom. It was very like mm. I it, it a little Jamaican from <laughs> time yeah. to time. But and even though um um I I there of course there are major flaws in the CGI. You know what I'm saying? Mm. They did the best they could with the budget, but that CGI mm. got crunchy from time to time. It's yeah. still such a fantastic movie. Yes. The acting, the plot, the storyline, the pacing, the action, the energy, the representation, the cinematography. There is so much 
greatness in this movie yes and i cannot wait for part two i can't wait for the series that's coming out because there's a wakanda series that's coming out yes i can't wait for all of that i think it's going to be fantastic and i i every chance i get i will recommend this movie to somebody every yes. chance i get it's so good so i give it five all the way through great move <clears throat> great move, great move. Mm-hmm. So. That said, uh, I think we can wrap it up. We've been going for a long time. The clock is ticking down. We don't need to say nothing else. Yes. <laughs> we can move on. Yes. And um, let us know what your ideal Afrofuturistic society would look like. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at louditpod. That's L-O-U-D-I-T-T-P-O-D. And tell us what your ideal futuristic society looks like where, you know, Black people are prospering, our culture is represented well, there is no racism, there's no more white supremacy. What does that that. look like? Technological advancements, science is advancing, arts are advancing. What does that world look like to you? Tell us all about it. Give us, give me detail. I want detail. And you know what just came across my mind real quick too? Mm -hmm. Uh, Shout out to Charity Croft. Check out Charity Croft. He also has a a good uh, intake, insight on exactly that. Okay, who's that? Where where would they find him? Um, You can find him, uh, uh, Old Chap Chap Charity on on IG. Mm -hmm. Or you can go on YouTube and just look up uh, Charity Croft. Okay. So you all do that. Look that person up and enjoy their content. I will be looking it up because I love anything that's talking about the things um you can find me on instagram and twitter under kathleen underscore natalia that's kathleen with a k k-a-t-h-l-e-e-n not yeni k-a-t-h-l-e-e-n underscore n-a-y-t-i-a and you can find my brother at nino the kid on facebook and instagram that's n-e-e-n-o underscore k-y-a no d-a-d-d there we go (laughs) i forgot a d (laughs) and um yeah let us know how you're feeling about the pod if you are listening on apple or anywhere that you can rate please do rate subscribe follow tell us what you're thinking leave comments wherever you can do those things please do that we appreciate them and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their auntie and their mama too you and me, your mama and your cousin, listening to loud in the theater. Come on, just do that. Hey. Please. <laughs> Come on, just do it. And as always, don't be scared to get loud in the theater. Don't be. Throw popcorn. Throw your popcorn. Put your feet up on the seat. Say something to the actors in the movie. When people shush you in the background, tell them to mind they fucking business. Because they didn't buy your ticket. Big facts. You do what the fuck you want to do. Big facts. Okay? Get loud. Let the people know. How is the white lady going to know that Jason is right behind her if you don't yell? How? Exactly. How she going to know? You got to say something. Help these people. Help them. Okay? Don't do like Killmonger. Don't kill the white lady. Help the white lady. (laughs) Right. She was misguided. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, y'all, we will see you in the next episode. 
have a good week and uh hit us up we on are loud in the tierra <laughs> today we have covered black panther He's not going to stop. We have to leave. Goodbye. Today's episode. Bye.